You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. We have a chance to ride out this Omicron wave without shutting down our country once again. You have sat there too long for all the good you have done. In the name of God, go. We need to recognise that Russia is now calling the shots here. Mad in their sleaze with a divided party. A prime minister losing the support of his backbenchers and governing shambolically. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepke. Today we're going to get straight into the subject of this week's special programme. As the war in Ukraine has unfolded, it has forced us to face up to an uncomfortable reality that many thought we'd left behind in the 20th century, the continued existence of and threat from nuclear weapons. Also in renewed focus on nuclear power and its safety in the event of a hostile attack. Well, the prospect of nuclear war is the elephant in the room as NATO draws its lines on how much to support Ukraine. It, from the early stages of the invasion, the country's nuclear power plants have been a point of tension. Russian forces now control the Chernobyl site, the scene of the 1986 meltdown, the world's worst nuclear accident. And their a- active shelling of the current plant in the southeast of Ukraine prompted speculation about the potential for another disaster. Well, joining us on the programme today will be Robert Kelly, a 35-year nuclear veteran who led America's foremost organisation on nuclear emergency response. And also Dr Paul Dorfman, an expert in the field too at the University of Sussex. He led Europe's response to Fukushima. He also has advised the UK government and now the Irish government. But first, we're joined by Bloomberg reporter Jonathan Tyrone, who covers nuclear diplomacy uh, on the role of nuclear in the war in Ukraine. Uh, Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Westminster today. So Russia is occupying uh, nuclear plants and its forces also destroyed an atomic physics lab uh, under international safeguards in Ukraine's second city. Uh, And we also heard from Ukraine that uh, the power has been cut to the Chernobyl site this week. How much should we be worried about the country's nuclear plants? There are different uh, levels of worry. There's acute, immediate worry uh, that is a clear and present danger. And then there's the long-term worries that um, uh, uh, international regulators deal with every day when it comes to nuclear power. Um, You know, the clear and present danger uh, of uh, places like the um, uh, occupied uh, plant uh, seem, in fact, to have passed. Radiation levels are normal. uh, uh, so communication is spotty. However, um, international monitors do have a view on the facility. Um, as to the other uh, 
uh, uh, places that you just mentioned. I mean, clearly the clear and present danger is probably more getting hit by a shell or a bullet than some sort of uh, radiation release. I mean, Ukraine is a uh, industrialized country with a large nuclear program that implies there are a number of sites ranging from low-level waste facilities to um, spent fuel facilities like you see at Chernobyl. Um, and uh, there's bound to be uh, uh, places caught in the crossfire. It's uh, up to um, you know re- regulators, operators to put that into context so as not to uh, whip up undue uh, panic over the situation. Just in terms of Chernobyl, there's been a lot of misinformation passed around. Uh, there was uh, power loss to the site. However, um, you know, the fuel rods that are stored there are uh, cool enough so that they can survive without an acute radiation incident for weeks. Mm. Um and so hopefully we're going to um, uh, see that uh, situation de-escalate. Okay, so that on the nuclear power plants at Ukraine. What does all of this mean for nuclear diplomacy, your area of expertise, Jonathan, news today that the Iran nuclear talks are being paused? Yeah, I mean, I'm dealing with this right now. Russia's also involved in the Iran nuclear talks. The issue at the end of the day is nuclear, uh, by its definition, is a dual-use technology, the same technologies that created the nuclear bombs that are in stockpiles in Russia and the U.S. and other countries are also the same technologies that produce the fuel that go into nuclear power plants. That's why we have this vast, complex jungle of rules and regulations that keep gram-level tracks of um, uh, nuclear fuel. And uh, when there is a disruption like war that uh, interrupts the, that that accounting, um, it's a it's a it's a reason for concern. But it might not be the reason to panic over a nuclear safety incident um, that um, uh, has been suggested in other quarters. Thanks so much for joining us with the latest there. Bloomberg's Jonathan Tyrone. Well, let's get on to our next guest. Robert Kelly is a veteran of over 35 years in the U.S. Department of Energy Nuclear Weapons Complex. He's also been director of the DOE's Remote Sensing Laboratory, which is the premier U.S. nuclear emergency response organization and was also seconded to the International Atomic Energy Agency. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us on the program today. I think you're in uh, Vienna, aren't you, Robert? Now, tell us, uh, in your view, what are the risks posed uh, by the proximity of Russia's military attacks to Ukraine's nuclear facilities? If you look at Zaporozhye, which I think is much more interesting than Chernobyl right now, uh, what you see is a, a plant with six units, each worth about $7 billion U.S. dollars to replace. Uh, the Russians have a very great interest in preserving that plant, keeping it safe and using it to produce electricity. So I think the chances of them doing anything to it uh, intentionally to, to make it not work are extremely remote. The IAEA says now the plant is being run by its operators and the management of where the electricity goes uh, is up to the Russian commander who's on the site. You notice that the electricity is not going to Mariupol. Mariupol, the people are being left to freeze to death in the dark uh, because they're not getting any electricity. And that's part of what really concerns me about the Russians being in charge of these places. They're using it to cause suffering. Okay, so this is then you think a key part of Russia's strategy in Ukraine then, nuclear energy, nuclear power? 
well, they're not going into Russia for the purpose of, of capturing these plants uh, into Ukraine, but the mm. purpose of, of a war is to take prizes. And in this particular case, they're taking prizes. Both sides want these plants to be preserved. No matter who wins the, the conflict, they need this electricity in the future. And it provides the nuclear plants, all 15 of them provide about 50% of the country's electricity. And they represent a replacement cost of close to $100 billion, uh, mm. the country is going to be in very poor shape if all of those plants are damaged in some way. I think they'll go out of their way to protect them. So when we saw those pictures of the shelling of that nuclear power plant, we, we shouldn't we shouldn't be too concerned about, about that, that sort of stuff. Well, you don't think Russia would do anything uh, unwise like that? I don't think that we saw pictures of them shelling the nuclear power plant. I think we saw pictures, very poor pictures, of a firefight where Russian invaders killed the defense at that plant, set an office building on fire, and uh, didn't do anything to the plant itself. If they wanted to take the plant out, the uh, electrical systems outside the transformer farms and all could have been destroyed easily. They went out of their way not to do that. So when I, and when I see all these media reports that the plant was shelled, I immediately wonder, who is telling us the plant was shelled? Was it the plant? Was it the defenders? Uh, we saw the, the people who live in the area blocking the road the other day with cars and with hundreds of people. They may all be dead now. Yeah, and, and it was part, wasn't it, that there's obviously a war, but also an information war. And we did see, um, you know, Ukraine talking about this issue as a reason to, to, you know, another reason supporting their call for a no-fly zone. Look, on nuclear weapons, though, what is your thought then on Russia, on Europe and the US's nuclear capabilities? This is the other kind of, as we said, the elephant in the room in terms of the NATO discussions, nuclear warfare. I mean, what would that look like? Obviously, it's it's a distant, remote possibility, but it's one that worries many people, I'm sure. It's a huge elephant in the room. I, I find myself very disturbed by it. Uh, this is a case where I don't think any rational person thought the Russians would come in and destroy Kharkov and, and other towns, Maripol being a, a clear example. You know, to, to wipe out the civil population in the way they've done it is sort of unthinkable. So the idea that Putin would think that a small nuclear weapon is a, a way to gain more advantage on the battlefield. It's really hard to rule that out. Could that lead to an exchange of intercontinental um, nuclear weapons? It might. I, I, two weeks ago, I would have said that's ridiculous. But now I, I do wonder if there could be something limited going on in Eastern Europe. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's, a con that's concerning. In terms of um, a, a nuclear energy emergency if we had uh, some sort of if there was some sort of problem with a plant in Ukraine or elsewhere in the world how prepared is the world for something like that I think that the Ukrainians will know how to evacuate people and move them out of way of any cloud that might might come if you look at the um, evacuation of uh, north of Chernobyl which was mostly in Belarus that was done successfully for a huge nuclear accident one that I don't think can occur at Japarozi um, but they've, they've got some experience with it. It's one of those things like, like when a giant hurricane comes, you uh, have as much preparation as you can, and then you improvise. And in this case, I, I'm sure they will improvise to some extent. Um, this particular case, the, uh, the, the units uh, all are close enough to Russia that if uh, 
if there is some kind of damage that creates a, a aerial cloud, uh, Russia is going to suffer as much as, uh, as Ukraine. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Steeple and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Steeple's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Steeple last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Well, let's continue with our Friday special program, looking at Ukraine and the nuclear issue. We've talked about how nuclear has become a key part of how this war is unfolding. But what about the other side of this conflict, the impact on energy supplies and prices? As Europe attempts to wean itself off Russian energy, which the EU would like to do by 2027, that will inevitably accelerate a push towards other energy sources. While renewables such as wind and solar will be important, and more controversial sources such as fracking will be considered What about the nuclear option? Well, today does mark the 11th anniversary of the earthquake and tsunami that struck Japan and resulted in the worst nuclear disaster since Chernobyl in 1986. This, of course, was Fukushima, the nuclear power plant in Japan. That once again put nations, including Germany, on guard against nuclear. Well, joining us to discuss this is Dr. Paul Dorfman, who is Associate Fellow in the Science Policy Research Unit at the University of Sussex. But Paul is also the founder of the Nuclear Consulting Group, a member of the Irish government's Environment Protection Agency, along with many other um, consultations and advisory roles that you've had to government. Uh, Dr. Dorfman, welcome. What is nuclear's role, do you think, as the world now accelerates its move away from oil and gas? Well, looking at the latest figures that we have, renewables uh, provided uh, a couple of years ago, which is the last available figures, about 256 gigawatts of non-hydro power added to the world's grid. In the same year, nuclear added 0.4 gigawatts. Now, since 2009, uh, uh, renewable costs and solar fell by 90%, wind by 70%, and nuclear increased by 33%. In Europe, renewables overtook fossil fuels to become 
the primary source of power in 2020, and non-hydro renewables generated more power than nuclear. So if you want to look at, say, cost, for example, Lazard, which is sort of a well-respected uh, uh, source per megawatt hour, this is the cost, okay, per megawatt hour. Solar, 29 euros per megawatt hour. Land, wind, will be 3 euros per megawatt hour. CCS gas, 52 euros per megawatt hour. Coal, 94 euros per megawatt hour. With nuclear, at 145 euros per megawatt hour. So this notion of, 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 renew, of uh, nuclear coming around the, the bend to save us all seems uh, deeply problematic. So these are costs for, this is cost for new capacity, presumably. Presumably the cost of running existing nuclear it remains pretty low, although I note the Ukrainian, the, uh, the uranium price has been soaring. That's absolutely correct. The main cost of nuclear is a new build. Once you've built, then you can largely run on uh, for, 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 for a far lower cost. The problem being, of course, uh, is of aging nuclear power plant. And as we're seeing, for example, in France at the moment, a quarter, one quarter of their nuclear fleet is offline due to safety and security problems associated with aging. And yet the issues with power prices in Europe are largely blamed on the fact that Germany mothballed and and closed nuclear power plants in the wake of Fukushima and that that has exacerbated the energy uh, dependence question, uh, energy dependence on on Russia, that is. So surely the debate is now going to centre around, you know, um, bringing that capacity back online and building building new nuclear. I mean, that is surely going to be one of the primary drivers in Europe now. Uh, well, it's very unlikely, actually. I mean, the German energy transition uh, is all about replacing conventional power plants, that's both fissile as well as fossil fuel, with renewables. So looking at both short and midterm energy scenarios, Germany decided that costs and risks of keeping nuclear outweigh the limited benefits. And as I said, meanwhile, worldwide, Renewables are exponentially ramping and nuclear is declining. And in terms of of, of recent events, the killer is this. Russia produces about 35% of the world's enriched uranium for nuclear reactors. And the EU's uranium imports, for example, what potentially could have been going to, say, your positive German reactors, imports from Russia are equal first uh, equal first, uh, equal with Niger at 2,545 tons per year. So uh, essentially, uh, this war has cut up about a quarter of, of, of EU's uh, nuclear uh, uh, enrichment supplies and a third uh, globally. That's interesting. What was your, your take on the German decision? Uh, they did it Safety grounds were were a big part of that, weren't they? After the Fukushima uh, accident, were they were they right to be worried about safety? Presumably, well functioning plants in in Europe are, are pretty safe, aren't they? Uh, normally, uh, nuclear plants uh, run uh, uh, pretty well, uh, you know, uh, and uh, the nuclear regulation is you know is really strict. I mean, people really are worried and concerned about this. What you've got here is a low probability, high impact risk under conditions of scientific uncertainty. And if and when something goes wrong, and it seems to be around 20 each, you know, 20 years or so, then you can start to write off uh, a lot of money and a lot of land. 
So the Germans, uh, at the time Merkel, and she's a scientist, she understands what probability risk assessment means, what it is. Uh, and I mean, me personally, uh, you know, a few years later, I was having supper with Naoto Kan, who was the prime minister of Japan at the time of Fukushima. And quite casually, he said, well, look, you know, if the wind was in the wrong direction, uh, we could have lost Tokyo. So it's, a, it's, it's all about risk. And risk is a, is a long line of string, basically. So the question is this, why would you wish for something that is potentially very risky, especially in terms of, of an increasingly unstable world, sort of militarily, and especially in terms of climate, mm. when you have something that is uh, quicker, easier, simpler, and much, much cheaper uh, uh, on, on your books. Okay, so in the coming days, we're expecting the UK government's plan then, a strategic plan on replacing uh, energy, on building out uh, energy independence in Britain. Britain has talked about, you know, small modular reactors being built here. There are question marks again about funding and who would build it and so on. But is that, um, is that a better or a worse way forwards then in terms of building out nuclear, if that were part of the mix, you know, how unhappy do you think you would be about that proposition? Okay, well, I mean, for example, uh, let's take the next uh, large reactor online, which is Sizewell. Okay, now one of the reasons uh, for say Sizewell is, uh, you know, and 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 you know, it's not only simply about energy uh, security, but it's about fighting climate change. The unfortunate truth is that looking at the models, uh, Sizewell within probably about 20 years, once a year, will be cut off almost entirely by, by storm surge floodwaters. Now, okay, moving from large nuclear, which one knows, I mean, the market won't touch because it is uneconomic. It needs vast uh, uh, public subsidy. That's the only way you can build large nuclear. So the next move is to small nuclear or SMRs. Now, the problem, for example, with the Rolls-Royce is that it's decidedly not small. An SMR is about 300 megawatts. Now, a large is about 1,000 to 1,500, 400 or so. Now, the Rolls effort is about four, 470 going on 500 megawatts. So it's absolutely not a small modular reactor. It's about a half-size large reactor to, you know, to start with. Hmm. It's also in development, uh, and the development costs, as, as usual, are huge. And the problem with SMR is that the whole history of nuclear is based on the concept of bigger is better. In other words, the economies of scale. Now, the point about SMRs is modularization. In other words, to replace the economies of scale with the economies of a factory run. The problem with a factory run is to set up the entire supply chain to furnish that factory run has enormous financial risk. And the only way that you can, you can sort of uh, displace that, that financial risk is by having hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of orders on your books, basically. And then the question is, well, where are you going to send these SMRs, so-called SMRs, to? And then uh, that gets onto questions of potential proliferation, because presumably you're going to send them out to developing nations who may or may not have a good regulation, good protection, good oversight. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.